GrowCFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using GrowCFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the GrowCFO show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I've got an old colleague of mine with me, Mr. Paul Maltby. Paul, you and I used to work together in PwC Consulting and then IBM. So, Paul, tell me what you're up to these days. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it, Kevin? Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, really uh, grateful for the opportunity. So what am I doing these days? Um, to sum it up, I, I design and develop and deliver uh, training interventions, workshops, uh, for corporates and for private clients. And that's anything from uh, graduates right up to senior leaders. So I specialize in uh, leadership development in particular. Um, that's, that's mostly what I do with leadership development. But beyond that, really interpersonal skills. I mean, people normally say, Paul, yeah, what do you do? I've got a nine-year-old. You know, I do explain to your nine-year-old what you do. And I go, do you know, if it's skills and people, that's me. So if yeah. it's facilitation, presentation, interview, uh, building relationships, communication skills, any of that, ultimately where I can help people increase their impact and influence with others. Mm, that is fantastic. Yeah. And you've written a book as well. Yep, I've written a book, The Fearless Facilitator. Um, and some people sort of ask me about the title, Why Fearless Facilitator? And uh, I can only really describe as very often people get very nervous when they present and you know, standing up in front of folks. A lot of people struggle with that. And it's quite a common phobia that people have. And, and going one step beyond that, standing up in front of folks and trying to drive them in a workshop or a meeting from point A to point B, um, actually achieving something in the allotted time, whilst people are having a certain amount of fun and engagement, um, is quite tricky. And, and very often people are scared about you know, how to start that sort of thing. So the journey I'm trying to take people on is where they have lots of fear to less fear and fear less. So that they feel to the point where they can attack any scenario, any situation that comes up um, in an event and have the confidence and the skills, the techniques to, to deal with that. Uh, and that's what the book's all about, is how to prevent challenging situations happening in the first place by preparing events uh, well that people want to come to, that are relevant, that are engaging. And then whilst you're in the event, uh, how to deal with difficult questions, how to deal with difficult behaviours, so that everyone still feels that it's uh, it's a worthwhile event to uh, participate in. Brilliant, brilliant. I know that you sent me a copy of the book a few weeks ago, and I've dipped into various bits of it, and it's a really impressive book, Paul. I've got to say, I, I, thank I you. like it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So the the book, Paul, it's broken down into three sections. Yeah, so the three sections. Uh, the first one is. Uh, really it's called the iceberg and and the reason for that is that um, most of the work that you do is before the event people only yeah. see a small tip of it if you've done the event preparation well most people will only see the small tip of the actual 
overall efforts that you put in. Um, so, and a lot of the challenging situations that can occur in events is because of poor planning and poor preparation. Maybe the room's not conducive to the uh, to what you're trying to achieve. Maybe the the purpose isn't clear. Um, maybe um, some of the part of the agenda isn't really relevant. So people disconnect and then don't re-engage because um, they they've disconnected and, and just wandered off. Um, so the first one's around, it's called the iceberg, and it's how to prepare for these, these, uh, these events so that all those challenging situations are prevented. Uh, it's much easier to prevent than when they've blown up in your face and you have to then try and sort it out. It just takes a lot more effort, a lot more time, a lot more energy. The second section is uh, called shield. Uh, and that's really how you defend against difficult questions. Um, as a facilitator, you know, it's not like being a presenter. A presenter has the knowledge. They're the subject matter expert on the, on the presentation. A facilitator drives the process. So ideally, wherever possible, you don't answer the questions. You just bounce them back into the group, make them more resourceful. And there are six ways of doing that. Um, in order to not answer those questions yourself and get the group working. And, and taking the pressure off a facilitator uh, dealing with those Q&As um, really is liberating. And then the final uh, section is, uh, is around dealing with difficult um, behaviours, and I call that the swan section, which you know, ultimately on the surface, you're very calm, collected, serene, just like a swan on the surface. Paddling the, like mad under the water. Under the water, you're paddling like mad, going, oh, no, what am I going to do here? How am I going to deal with that? Uh, what will they say? What, how, will it, how will I look if I respond in a certain way? You know, it's 101 things going off in your head at that moment in time. So I, what I do, I break down a number of coping strategies, intervention techniques, that will enable you to keep the event going whilst uh, managing any of those difficult behaviors. And I say, when I, I, I do a train the trainer uh, course every now and again, and I have to say uh, that section on handling difficult behaviors, everyone sits up. And this has been the same for the last 10, 15 years when I've done this. Everyone from uh, a junior consultant to a senior leader who wants to become a, a trainer or a, a facilitator for their particular area. They're always sitting up because that's the one they're worried about. They, they know how to drive process. They know how to run a meeting. What they don't know is how to deal with people sometimes, particularly if they're challenging in the way they're behaving. Yeah. I'm so those are the three before, sections. I had a really interesting one. It was, wasn't that long before lockdown started. I, I, I ended up running a zero-based budgeting course. Oh, nice. It was meant to be a public course, but everybody that bought it, for this particular goal came from one company. Right. They were a huge company, but to our average listener, if I mentioned the name, they wouldn't have even heard of them because they were a Ukrainian company. Wow. Now, I then had a challenge, and I love doing this two-day zero-based budgeting course. So we're in a hotel in central London. The Ukrainians have all come across for a bit of a team-building event, a bit of a jolly, and do my course at the same time. But then find out that half of the course don't speak English. Oh, no. And I've now got an interpreter in the room. And they're listening to me. There are some, the two or three that have got good English are asking great questions. They're even translating for their colleagues as well as the interpreter himself. 
But then every so often, you can see that there's looks around the room about what somebody said. And this very vociferous argument breaks out in, I don't know whether it's Ukrainian or Russian. Right. And, and it, it sounds it sounds very aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it and, does. You know, I'm just sitting here thinking, how the hell do I facilitate this? Yeah. And I know the answer. Have Paul Maltby sitting <laughs> next to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know, I have to say, you know, that is quite common. I, I, I was once uh, delivering uh, many times with a, a, an American colleague of mine, and um, he's very provocative, I have to say. And um, I always said to him at the beginning, we always had a bit of a, a faculty discussion beforehand, how are we going to work, how are we going to help each other? It's part of one of my chapters in, in the first section around team because it's difficult to do all of this on your own. And um, I always said, Paul, you know, Whenever I put my foot in it, I don't know when it will be, but just keep an eye on when I'm when I'm up on stage delivering. Just keep an eye on me because he always said something that just caused the whole group to erupt, and and it was so difficult to get them back. So that's not uncommon, Kevin. That groups there's always something um, that whether it's a topic, whether it's a phrase um, that will just cause the group to explode. Um, with with emotion and um, all you have to do with that is just um, understand what's going on um, choice the thing with the top tip here I, I'm full of top tips um, the one I always give here is give them a choice is this something that we want to spend time on or is this something that we're not going to solve here because we've not got the right people in the room or it's above our pay grade whatever it is uh, and just give them the choice if you try and move on without them, they won't yeah. let you. Let you. you know? Absolutely. They won't but if let you give you. them the choice, give them the choice, Definitely. Give them the choice yeah. and yes. you go, okay, but then also point out the consequences. Hmm. Now, happy to spend half an hour on this, folks, but it might mean we either finish half an hour later or we drop something from the agenda. What do you want to do? Yeah. Um, and, and then and just, you know, just keep, keep building those questions Get, giving them the choice, making sure they're aware of the consequences, because at the end of the day, um, if they're not ready to move, move on, they won't move on. And the agenda will just go down the toilet as, uh, as rapidly as, uh, as the water. Yeah. Yeah. So, Paul, something we're seeing grow CFO that finance leaders are telling us is, look, we've, we've been in lockdown. We've been working at home for the last two years. Training's gone out of the window a bit. Um, we've got new members of the team, even, yeah. that haven't really met other members of the team. Yeah. We need to do something about this. Grow CFO, can you help us de develop our finance team? And we've said, yes, we can. And as listeners probably know, we've, we've launched this year the finance team training package. Now, there's an online section to that, which you know you can sign up and you can join. Yeah, I've seen that. Looks good. And you can get a number of seats in that. But, Paul, we're talking as well of saying, well, look, finance leader, if you want to bring your team together face-to-face -to -face and put on a memorable event, well, that's a good idea. You can do that yourself. Or we, Grow CFO, can come along and help you. So, Paul, if you were looking at that kind of event given where we are now you know, 
what would you be doing? What would you be saying to the finance leader to, to make it a memorable event? Yeah, I mean, crikey, we'll just start. I mean, ultimately, um, pur- my chapter one of my book is the purpose. Yes. So, so what's the purpose of the event? Um, and we're having a bit of a chuckle with some of my colleagues um, earlier this week because um, they said, now, what's the purpose? Is the purpose of education or is the purpose just reconnecting? Because if the purpose is just reconnecting, let's just go to the pub for, for an evening and, and let's, let's just not, let's just yeah, call it. You, you, it. You, need, you need a purpose to make going to pub <laughs> tax allowable, Paul. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, be clear on the purpose and is the purpose inclusive? And what I mean by that is, um, for those who you're inviting, will it be relevant to everyone coming? Because if not, then um, that might be counterproductive. You know, people who, are, who don't see the value of the event, don't see the relevance, they'll become the troublemakers. Um, in, in one way, they'll, they'll be more vocal to, to, and, and, and disrupt the proceedings, or they'll just push back and disengage and go, this isn't relevant for me. I don't know why I'm here. And, and, that, and that little little chat, if it, it might start to be infectious and, and disrupt the, uh, the proceedings. So um, I think just engaging the, the, the group, first of all, now, what's the purpose? What do we want to get out of this event? Uh, and getting that discussion going beforehand. So back to the iceberg, there's a lot of prep work before rather than let's run an event Let's go. Um, doing as you've talked about with the gross CFO, doing some surveys. You know what? What? Where do we see the gaps being? What can we do to help you, team, be successful? You know, the leader may have a view. Great, but the team may also have a view as well. So having some input. You know, what's the purpose? What do we want to get out of this? So in, in chapter one, you now I talk about the purpose, but I also talk about the outcome. Yes. How do you know, a bit like my, my, my old project management days, how do you know you're done? How do you know this, is, this, this has been a successful event? How are you going to measure it? Uh, and so I talk about purpose, outcome, and agreement. Yeah. Now, we you, have, you, can, you, can, you can have six sessions. You can measure it by saying, yes, we've done session one tick. We've done session two tick. We've done session three. We had lunch. Yeah. Session yeah. four, session five, yeah, session six, we went to the pub. Everybody had a good time in the pub. Everybody seemed to be smiling, chatting, ticking the box. Done it. Yeah. That doesn't measure the outcome, does it? No. My, fa- my favourite question is, so what? Yes. So we, we, we've, we've had a wonderful away day. We've all had a great time. So what? Yes. Now, and if the so what is actually now the, the engagement score is going to be improved by 10 points because we now feel that we can trust each other and because we've built the relationships... Great. If you've uh, focused on solving a complex problem and therefore you've understood the root cause of that problem, so now you can go away and figure out the answer. Great. So you have to measure what it is that you're trying to achieve. Uh, and back to the, the relevance bit, you know, there may be sub agenda items that you might want to break down for different parts of the group, of the team. Um, so, uh, so that's fine because you know if you've got you know, half the team who are not not involved in governance, for example, listening to two-hour breakout on governance, you know, it's not going to do anyone any favors. Yeah, but maybe it's... they want to work on strategy or something that they are more aligned to. I think, as you said earlier, Paul, if you the half that aren't interested in governance, if you disengage them, then re-engaging them for the next session. 
is going to be really difficult. Yeah, it is because once they've once they've disconnected, then reconnecting is is, is challenging. And one of the things that you know, I often recommend, folks, when we talk about um, instructional design, how do you create? How do you how do you create these events? Um, one of the the tips that well, I'll give you two tips. Um, one tip is wherever you can get them working in smaller groups, as long as they then feed back to the main group, so everyone knows what's going on. Um, but if you can break them down to small groups, because if you've got a group of 20 people and half of them are extroverts or subject matter experts and the other half aren't, the other 10 are going to feel pretty, pretty disconnected um, yeah. because of those other 10 that are, are very vo vociferous. But if you then sort of break them down into more relevant groups or at least you know, give them the same problem or even different problems in smaller groups where there's, there's nowhere to hide, mm. then everyone feels they've got a voice. Yeah. And that's key. So that's the first thing. The second thing is um, you know, start as you mean to go on. And uh, I'll give a, a couple of tips beyond this. Um, the first one is um, the leader sets the tone. And what I mean by that was, you know, I, I ran an event many years ago. Um, I mean, it was kicked off. It was a two-day event. I was running day one, which was professional development. And then day two was for the team. And I, I, I wasn't needed on day two, so I left. But the, uh, the, the global leader kicked it, kicked it off. Oh, my goodness. It was terrible. You, know, you could see the excitement, just like as we described, people in lockdown coming together. Oh, fantastic. People from all over the world hadn't met before. So they were coming together for the first time, super excited. They got in this sort of circle of chairs. The global leader stood up. Oh, terrible. Now, he was looking at his shoes, hands in his pockets. Hi, everyone. Um, super excited to uh, be here. I'm glad you could all come. I mean, it went on for like five minutes, and the, the, the whole the whole energy just—you could yeah. see the blood draining the from people. Yes, and you, and you could see people going, "It's going to be like this for two days." I don't know. I hope not. And <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden, right, I'm going to hand over to Paul, and I was like, "Right, everybody, let's get on our feet. Let's do a quick icebreaker." And you could people physically went back in their chairs. They were so shocked with the the, yeah. the contrast. Um, but the leader sets the tone. And I, I just, one of the things I, I, I got in my book that says, you know, whatever you do as the leader, it's infectious. Yes. The attitude and the behavior. So if you're there and you're full of energy, right, let, this is what we're going to do, troops. This is how we're going to do it. Let's go. Then there's energy in the room. If not, then you know, expecting energy and enthusiasm from those when you're not giving it yourself, not so much. And the other final tip I'd share here is around psychological safety. Because, you know, you know, how do you get the best out of the group? And, and one of the things is um, ask them a question early. Make sure they've got some skin in the game. So, you know, something like, you know, what are you hoping to get out of the event? Or what are your hopes and fears? Or some, some, some question that everyone can play with because everyone will have an opinion. And just give them two minutes to reflect individually. So they've got time, then pair them up so they can vocalize and just test out what they're about to say isn't completely stupid. Um, and then you say, so who wants to share? And uh, then by then you've built some psychological safety because people feel it's safe enough in the room to speak up because they've had time to think about it as well as vocalize it with a, with a peer. 
and then whoever feels comfortable to share can do. So there's lots of little tricks in the train, and you know, the book's full of them. There's 42 top tips in there. Um, well, it wasn't by design, by the way. The answer's 42 for everything. And I just got how many Of course tips? the answer's 42. How many it's tips question in the book? that we don't know. <laughs> yeah, 42. It's like, oh, my God. And that was not planned. It was just how it happened. I mean, how scary is that? So, so I mean, there's lots of things you can do there, Kevin, in terms of, you know, getting the best out of the group, making it memorable. Um, the biggest thing that I, I really enjoyed doing is uh, building common ground. Uh, and, and finding more personal stuff. So when I run uh, personal impact courses, um, I ask people to introduce themselves about what are they passionate about away from work. Passion because it creates interest, energy, yep. away from work. Because if you say, yeah, hi, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the CFO. I've been the CFO for 10 years. And before that, I've done this. And before that, I do that. People don't remember that. But they remember <laughs> if you've been to uh, base camp at Everest, yeah, off the top of my head, you know, random stuff like that. But something that's personal, where you, you know, I wouldn't know. For me, for instance, one of my things I always say, um, when I was 16, I was a lifeguard, believe it or not, and I rescued a small boy from about two foot of water in a training pool. And go, oh, wow, really two foot? Tell me more. And all of a sudden there's a story, and you, you, you share the story of a coffee, and the relationship has begun. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, take, make, 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 make connections personal, but also find common ground. And, you know, one of the stories I've got in my book is where you draw the Venn diagram. Uh, you get three people together and you say, right, in the, in the Venn diagram, find something that's common between person A, person B, and between person B and person C, and between person C and person A, and then something that's common with everyone. And it can't be about work. Go. And they'll go, because they'll go, oh, we're all men. Ha, <laughs> no, doesn't work. You know, something that's, you know, and we did that. And, and we actually discovered when we then played these, um, these trios back, because everyone has to play it back. So everyone around the room gets to know each other. And um, there were two ladies in different trios, both going to Machu Picchu in Peru in the same week with different expeditions, wow. different expeditions. And, and they were, they were as giddy as schoolgirls uh, when they found this out they were like oh i can't believe it i'll see you there <laughs> and if, how random is that you know two you know, they didn't know each other yeah because they came from different parts of the organization but during this exercise all of a sudden you know you find people who are going to machu picchu you find people who who, who like mountain biking you find people who like uh, fine wine whatever it is uh, and that builds bridges and connections more than what department they're from because you know the transaction stops becoming role to role becomes more person to person uh, and that's what makes things memorable yeah and let's face it if if we're looking at the immediate future this this is all about rebuilding relationships yeah. rebuilding some of the interaction that would have happened every day in the office had we all been going there every day in the yeah. office yeah, you know, yeah. The the amount of people that we get to know over a Zoom call, where you're pretty much sticking to the agenda of what the meeting's about, is very little. Yeah, yeah. And you can do that. Um, uh, just I know we were talking before the uh, the recording about the health and safety example, for instance, where <laughs> now I was once asked um, from uh, this this lady who was wanting to run a whole day event on health and safety for their team. And she was like, oh, I've got 300 slides. I know it's going to be painful. It's going to be a lot of me talking. What can we do? 
And uh, I said, first of all, get rid of the 300 slides because after the first 10, they won't look at them. Um, and what we did, we looked at the different sections and said, right, what do you want to get out of this section? Back to the output and the outcome. And she talked about what she wanted. And I said, right, so let's create some scenarios, some role plays, but also let's let's create some screenshots of, of certain health and safety scenarios and hand those photos out to the different groups and get them to tell you what's wrong with the situation. And that forced the, the groups to talk and interact and discuss the content. So they still arrived at the end of the process, which was they understood what was wrong and what how to keep uh, the health and safety guidelines in, in, uh, in check in, in certain scenarios. Um, but they discovered that themselves by talking it through rather than being in receive mode. So it's the same same event, yeah. Just doing it in a very different way, where it encourages people to talk and discuss, to interact, <laughs> and yeah. actually have a bit of fun doing it. I also liked something you you mentioned earlier, Paul, where you're saying that you, as the facilitator, given a question, would throw it back at the room, yes, as opposed to giving it to the presenter, who would probably try and answer it. Yes. Now I like the idea. If you if your main thing is team development to consciously be trying to throw all the questions back into the room so the team are coming up with their own answers. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and and the, the thing for doing that, do that early as well, because that sets the tone. Um, also, uh, if you've got a question you generally don't know the answer to, then <laughs> the scale of your knowledge is not given away because uh, um, a, lot, a lot of the time people ask questions that they think are easy too quickly um so they'll say so paul you know what's the answer it's 42 you must well say you idiot at the end of it because mm -hmm. you know, they've not let the question uh they've not respected the question enough to give it time yeah you know so uh, so so consistency is the key here um, and bounce it back uh, and what i and one of the first tips that i i give you know if you are let's say you know kevin you're asking me the question i'd bounce it straight back to you kevin what do you think because if you're asking the question in the first place, you've already got a vested interest in, in the subject matter enough to ask the question. Yeah. So surely you must have an opinion are, on it. A lot of people are asking a question because they, they kind of know what the answer should be and they're wanting to confirm it. Yeah. Uh, the, other, the other thing is, you know, sometimes the, the people are asking the questions just to test you, see yes. how much you know, but also um, just to see how you deal with it. Yeah. But actually, if you bounce it back and straight to them, then your number of dodgy, awkward, um, not really helpful questions will go straight back to the questioner. So they'll think twice about <laughs> asking those. those, those must remember that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unhe those unhelpful questions in the first place. So, uh, yeah, interesting question there, Kevin. What do you think? Uh, well... Well, you're you're driving this uh, event, Paul. What do you? Well, that's why I'm asking you. Okay, and then so second line of defence, you ask the rest of the group. Yeah, you know, and then you, and and, you, and obviously there's six more. There's six stages in 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 section two of the book that helps you get to that uh, to to an answer. But if not, then the D in shield is uh, distract and and delay. Cool. Basically, which basically means just stick it on a parking lot and come back to it. Now, Paul, you're you're a very competent facilitator. Thank you. That's I'm thinking kind. of the the average finance leader mm. wants to do this 
for his or her team. Yes. So she's great at dealing with the board. She's great at doing the technical accounting stuff. She's 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 okay at managing a team, but you know, she's jumping out into this suddenly running an away day. How many of these skills do you think you can pick up reasonably easily and be reasonably competent in? I think ultimately a lot of it is about knowing your group and knowing um, what you can achieve with that group. Um, a lot of the what, lot of the stuff I do, I, I, I'm I'm flown in, not knowing who they are and what they are and, and who the troublemakers are and who are the ones that are going to dominate, who are the ones that are not going to dominate. And I think the skills, there's there's a lot of skills here. The key one I think is understanding your group. What are they capable of? What are they not capable of? Um, how can you uh, structure it so that more people are involved? And, and I think the other key is just to make sure that you don't um, overfill the agenda. Yeah. Because if you overfill the agenda, um, the, the attention to task dominates the attention to building relationships. And there's a yes. balance to be struck um, in terms of, yes, we need to get from A to B, uh, and maybe we have follow a process to get there. Great. Maybe some brainstorming, some ideation, some, uh, some prioritization, mapping, whatever. But then also there's the relationship. How are we going to work together to get this done? And most people tend to forget the, the, that last bit. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so, yeah, the, I mean, the three key skills are, you know, is, is, is the people skills. And you can break that down into many different bits. But, uh, you know, building relationships, uh, making sure that everyone feels involved, um, as well as managing a process and managing the time to it. Um, so, and, and that will vary depending on the subject matter. So uh, it, it's difficult to... to to put a, a number on how many skills one person has versus another also depends on their prior experience. But I think ultimately having clarity on what the purpose is, is number one, getting people involved in that so that there's no surprises is also helpful. Yep. Um, priming them. I talk about in the needs chapter in section one. Um, so you don't want people, people rocking up and going, so what are we doing? You want people rocking up going, right. I know what, what the, what's on the agenda. Um, you asked me to bring this documentation or you asked me to at least think about this problem with some ideas. I'm here, let's go. Um, so it's, it's about stage managing the whole event from beginning to end, I think. Hmm. I'm also conscious, Paul, that uh, most of our finance leaders in the community are very, very busy people. If you're going to put an event on like this and do it well, what do you think the time commitment is to it? If you're going to do it yourself, a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're going to outsource it, uh, and there may be reasons for outsourcing it, like professional facilitators like, like myself, because there's a degree of independence mm. in there. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit in, in my in chapter one as well about you know who's in the room. Does, does it do will the team feel safe enough speak in their mind if the boss is in the room? Yes. Which is, is an interesting interesting, an interesting question. Yes. It's an interesting question, you know, and, and sometimes 
uh, leaders will say, oh, I'll just sit in the room because I want to hear what they actually want to what they say about me. I think, well, yes, you can, but they, they won't say everything because <laughs> you're in the room. Um, so again, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. Um, you know, as a rough order of magnitude, if you're going to do this yourself, I'd say for every one hour of event time, it's probably going to take you a good three hours per, mm. per one hour. And that's, that's conservative. When we were locked down last year in the, uh, in the pandemic or year before now, actually, it's, it's, it's just dragging on, isn't it? This, um, we were saying um, between three and five hours of, 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 of virtual time yeah. was for the, for, the de- for the design development because mm. it's not just the, the prep before that, you've got the design. Yeah. So, you know, how am I going to design the day to be effective where everyone feels involved that, that we get from A to B and there's a process to follow and you know, the subgroup, whatever it is, you know, whatever the design is. So and that varies depending on what it is you're trying to do. But um, rough order, I'd say between three, about a good three hours for every one hour of... Uh, yeah, that, that roughly gels with my experience as well i'm thinking back to some of the training courses i ran physical training courses before lockdown and if uh there's the ukrainian one the two days doing zero-based budgeting yes i probably spent about a week planning those two days yeah maybe a little bit more so it's it's roughly three to one yeah yeah and and sometimes as as an independent um, you know, people will go, oh, well, I want you for a day and you're, you're given the price and they'll go, how much? And they'll go, mm. well, that's, that's not just for the day. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of design work going and there's a lot of preparation there and there's getting to the venue early, setting the venue up and um, you know, confirming the stakeholders and doing some design, you know, some of the uh, slideware or the training material or whatever. Yeah. And even if you have a guest speaker, Think, well, that's that hour filled then, isn't it? Well, no, not really, because you have to you have to connect with the guest speaker. How how is what they're going to say going to fit into the theme of the event? Yes. Because you know, I've I've had guest speakers where um, you know, even even though I've done priming with them, I've sat down with an hour, two hours with them actually, and being really clear on what I want, and they'll go, yeah, no problem, and they'll turn up, and it's just gone out the window. They've just gone off on something random. And um, and the group's looking at me, going, "This has got what's this got to do with the? the, the it's got nothing to do with it. It's just that the guest speaker's gone on a on a crusade about something they're passionate about. Got nothing to do with the event." And you go, "Okay, yep. okay, wrong choice of guest speaker." Yep, yep, cross them yep. off. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. So, I, I suppose if if you're listening to this. As a finance leader or a senior member of finance team, you're thinking, yeah, we, we really need to have an away day this year. We really need to reconnect the team. But, oh, I can hear all the things that Paul's talking about. I can hear all the things that Kevin's talking about. Oh, this is going to be a more difficult job than I thought. Well, there's some good news, people, because one of the things we do at Grow CFO is we'll talk to you and help you run your team away day, your team event. And yes, that could be me could involve Paul. It could involve anyone out of our team of mentors. Now we can, between us, or we can cover just about any subject you might want to bring up in that away day. And we can facilitate it in the way that it will be a memorable event. And, you know, 
Paul talked all about objectives. What objective do you want out of your event? We'll for sure make sure that we know what that is and make that the objective behind whatever we deliver. So now, if you like what you hear in this podcast, pop over to growcfo.net, just hit the contact us bit and you know, drop an inquiry in and talk to us. Brilliant. Sounds good. So, Paul, huge, huge thanks for joining us today on the Grow CFO Show. Yeah, my pleasure, Kevin. Thanks for the opportunity. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And-